Welcome to Life After Business, the podcast where your host, Ryan Tansom, brings you all the information you need to exit your company and explore what life can be like on the other side. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Life After Business podcast. This is episode 150. And if you're an entrepreneur and you're listening to this and you've ever woken up and felt like there was just a noose around your neck and you wanted to figure out how the heck to get out of your company, you're not alone. And our guest today, Mike Jackness, is going to be talking about that. And the crazy challenges we have as entrepreneurs where you absolutely love the whirlwind of being a business owner, you're growing, you're scaling, and then all of a sudden, what do you do when you want out? And then Mike ended up actually retiring a couple times and then being so bored, he got back into it. So Mike's here to share with us how he's learned from his multiple exits and his different journeys that he's been on, what balance looks like as being an entrepreneur where you're providing value to the world and enjoying the value that you're providing to the world, like what he's doing right now with Ecom Crew, where he is just giving and in return, he gets fulfilled with not only emotional, spiritual fulfillment, but also with money. And it took him a long time to get to that and through a couple of twists and turns because he started back in the day where he ran one of the largest poker affiliate companies in the world with over 60 employees and he even owned part of the Canadian Poker Tour. And then he really just wasn't jiving with the culture of the industry. And after Black Friday, the day that Congress basically made it illegal for Americans to gamble, he ventured into treadmill.com and he sold that company in 2014 and since then has started other multiple e-commerce brands with a total revenue of over $7 million annually. And his journey along that way, he went from grinding and then retiring after an exit where he was traveling around in a motorhome going back into business where he then was scaling and growing and caught himself burnt out again as he was opening up another location and realizing that this is the opposite of what I wanted to do again. I went from retired to now grinding away again. And so since then, he explains how what that noose felt like, how we ended up selling again, and now how he is trying to integrate business and his life and the value he's providing the world with a purpose, that everything comes down to having a purpose and being able to do the things that you want with the people that you want, getting financially and emotionally rewarded for it without burning out. I think there's a lot of good takeaways in this episode as you're potentially thinking about how do you get out and try planning before that noose ends up around your neck, but then also don't just retire. Try to figure out how you can integrate all your passions to a value that you can provide the world so you can enjoy all of it because that's the whole point. Listen to the whole episode because at the end, Mike explains how he thinks he's figured it out and there's a lot to learn from his insights. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode with Mike Jackness. This episode of Life After Business is sponsored by GEXP Collaborative. Their proven process gives you clarity on all of your exit options and how those options impact your financial success, timing, and future happiness. Sell your company on your time frame to the buyer of your choice at the price you want. Mike, how you doing? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me on the show. I am looking forward to it. You've got quite the story and you've got, you've built yourself uh, quite the reputation with your podcast and your community. And I got to thank our mutual friend, Kyle, for uh, dropping the introduction. And it sounds like, uh, I think he had reached out because of where, what you're actually doing now after some of your, some of your transitions, but let's take it back, you know, for my listeners that might not be familiar with some of the things that you've done, like, like honestly, my God, how did you 
start to become an entrepreneur? I know it kind of dates all the way back, but like, was it an accident? How did you, how did you jump into it? What, what let you into this whole world? Yeah. I mean, these uh, life story conversations get harder and longer because uh, like, as you get older and I'm getting older, more and more it's, stuff it's kind of off. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, I think a lot of it is your upbringing and the surroundings. So, I mean, my dad was and is an entrepreneur. I mean, I can't remember. I actually can't remember time ever my dad had. I know he had jobs when I, before I was born or maybe before I can remember, but not since I can remember. He was always doing something. He was always in some sort of construction. So he had like a woodworking shop and built houses. And now he's his current phase, the current business he's doing is more like a general contractor and builds whole custom homes or custom wineries and things of that nature. So I, I was kind of around it through osmosis as a kid. I, I think some of it might be genetic. Maybe it's partly from how I was raised. Uh, partially, I wasn't a very good student and I knew I wasn't going to college and was going to have to figure out a way somehow to make money. Uh, so I think there was a part of all those influences that that led me into being an entrepreneur. And there's been some times in my life where I was an entrepreneur. I went and worked for a company for for a few years and looking at it uh, as a body of work, I'm definitely an entrepreneur at heart and couldn't imagine ever working for somebody else again. (laughs) Professionally unemployable. You ever heard that term? (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. So you've got a pretty cool background, man. I mean, back in the the early days of the pokers and the, the the poker phase, and I remember back in the day, love it, like ev- like the craze that was going on. Can you give the audience that might not be familiar with your background, because I think you and I have got a, like a probably a Venn diagram of some of my listeners. <laughs> I've got a lot of the online community and the Chris Yates and the Quiet Light Worlds and stuff like that, but then also people that are completely unfamiliar with what Ecom Crew is and what you do and some of the, the cool things that you've done in the background or in your background. So why don't you give us a little bit of an overview of that because I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, hello to the Chris Yates and uh, Joe Valley crowd out there that's listening. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so during the time that I was, because you asked about the poker thing specifically. So during the time that I had a job, a full-time job, I was starting to get a little bit antsy without a doubt. I mean, I, I, it was about seven years into this, this job. They were actually a client of mine that hired me and, and convinced me to come, come work for them. But it, poker was this big thing in 2003. I mean, if you can remember back that far, uh, most guys were really into playing poker and I was not alone in that. I mean, I was going to casinos to play. I had a home poker tournament that I did at my house once a week that had ballooned up to like 45 people coming to it at one point. <laughs> oh my I, gosh. I, it was crazy. There was no room in the neighborhood to park all the cars. <laughs> and I was also playing online poker and just through happenstance of being bored because like poker is definitely not a fast paced game. I was just clicking around on party poker's website and saw the word affiliates and clicked on it. And uh, that night uh, a business was born when I realized like how much you can make from affiliate marketing. And from the day that I saw that page or the day that I quit my job was about six months and you know, the rest is kind of history, but it was it was a crazy time, and uh, I doubt it'll ever be repeated again in my lifetime in terms of the amount of money that we made and how quickly it all happened and how easy it happened. I was gonna say the the I mean, what was even the compliance like as money is flying all over the and the like the regulators don't even really know what to do with it at that point. I mean, <laughs> it must have been ridiculous. For us, it was relatively simple because we were affiliates, so we weren't running an online poker room. So the mm-hmm. compliance part for us was to pay our taxes, you know, which yep. we did. I mean, we, we were receiving money on our account and I, I've always been just really good about paying, making sure we're paying our taxes and, and those types of things. And so for us, it was, it was pretty simple. I mean, it was actually a pretty simple business to run. Uh, looking back at it, comparing that to what we do now in e-commerce, it's, uh, yeah, it, it seems so complicated back in the day, but now I realize like how easy and how good we had it. And 
It was an all cash business. There was never cash flow problems. Uh, we grew like wildfire, and it was a fun time. So then, what was uh, what what led you as you as you jumped in? Because I know you've 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 been back and forth into a bunch of different you know buying and selling domains, and then also the the most recent transaction. But like, what what led you into what was the first venture that you ended up purchasing, and like how did you end up saying okay, like this is me on my own? Did you did you save up a bunch of money? Did you partner with someone to begin with? What was the first leap? Yeah. So when I got out of online poker, which was at the end of two thousand ten, we sold off a part of our business. So it was a cash infusion then. And then we also, I decided back in the summer of that year that it kind of give notice to every, my partners and the people I was working with there that I, that I wanted to be out. Um, so I, I gave up some equity and put in a, a CEO there and just and, and made it be know that I, knowing that I was completely walking away, that I didn't want to hear about anything for any reason, any time, except for a, a quarterly board meeting that I agreed to be on one hour a quarter. So I mean, I was basically just, Take my hands, absolve myself from that business, and kind of basically semi-retired for for a couple of years. What was the and, reasoning behind that, Mike? I mean, what, like, what what led up to the point that 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 drastic of a cutoff was it? Was there any reasoning, or like, or triggering event? Oh yeah, there was definitely a few things. Um, first of all, I felt like it was a business that was built on quicksand, and it was just so disheartening to me to just constantly be working really, really hard and always going backwards. Uh, even though we were still making good money. It just you, you mentioned regulatory things, even though the regulatory things didn't affect us directly, they indirectly affected us because the people mm-hmm. we were promoting were having all these problems. And so, you know, there was the day that they passed the UIGA, which is the Unlawful Gaming Enforcement Act in 2006. And so, I, like, half the poker rooms pulled out of the United States. And mm-hmm. then Netteller shut down was another big day. And then there was a day where the, the other rooms that were left in the U.S., got, some of them got shut down. And it, it's just, it was just like one hit after another of you finally build the business back up to so it's doing well again. And then some other thing that's out of your control uh, affects you. And it just it was at a point where I just had, had enough of that. Being in that environment, it was just really frustrating for me. Um, but probably the, the bigger factor over anything else was that I, I honestly just didn't like the people in the industry. I mean, they were, if you can think of, what stereotypes would be of people like in the gambling industry? Yeah, uh, there's a lot of times stereotypes <laughs> exist for a reason. And it just <laughs> isn't a reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, I just I'd had enough of being around these types of people. It just was something that I couldn't fit into. You know, it was hard kind of trying to pretend to be their friend any longer. And I just really didn't want anything to do with it anymore. And you know, it was an unfortunate. It was unfortunate because I did like what I was doing to a, to a certain extent. I mean, I, I still love poker. I mean, I think it's a fun game, but I, I had just had enough and I was kind of burned out. I mean, it was, it was also a burnout factor as well. I mean, I was working 12 to 14 hours a day for, for many, many years. Uh, it was, you know, the business was growing so quickly. Every day was like getting hit with a fire hose. And uh, I was younger. I mean, I was in my 20s at the time or in my 30s, early 30s. And, you know, it's a lot easier to do that when you're younger, but at, at some point, even as a, a younger guy, it was it, it wore on me, and I was just like, you know what, I've I've had I've had enough. I think that now now is the time to to walk away, and I did it in a way that was fair to everyone involved, and you know, gave plenty of notice to everybody that was still in the company that still had a stake in it. And uh, for me, it was great because when I walked away, it was still a passive income stream, and you know, it's something that we lived off of for the next many years, and we're able to to use that as a a transition into the next phase of our life, which ended up being e-commerce. 
So we're going to go down that journey. And it, but before we continue down that, I'm just curious, um, how did you guys like, you know, cause you talk about the passive income stream and there's, there's a lot of people that, you know, aren't t- totally familiar with, you know, cause in passive and e-commerce, you know, there's a lot of different ways of, you know, people having passive websites or, you know, online companies, but like, you know, what was the structure? How did you guys value it? How did you get that passive income? Was it an earner? Was it a promissory note? I'm just, you know, from the technical perspective, but like, how did you get that? And then how did you and all your partners come up with what was fair and reasonable and for a price and the terms for you guys? Yeah. I mean, it was actually pretty simple. I was the majority owner at the time. And we had some minority partners that were involved in the business. Um, and, you know, I, I threw out a, a, an equity chunk that I thought was fair to kind of distribute back around the people that were going to stay. And then I would keep what, you know, the remaining equity that I, I which was about 40% and that that would be just distributions. So for every hundred K that the business generated in profit, I got 40 K of it. And uh, that became the passive income stream for me. But you know, every, every month or every year, year over year, it was a declining business. And I, and I knew that, I mean, it, w- it wasn't the fault of people that were, that were left behind to run it. It was just the, the nature the of the industry. business that we had. So, yeah. I mean, I knew that it was a, a, a clock on that. Uh, and so I, you know, we, we treated that that way from, from day one and didn't have any expectations that it would go on forever. And eventually, but at the end result ended up happening actually last year, it got to a point where the money that it was throwing off wasn't enough to keep the people that were running it interested. So we then just sold our shares to them for, for six figures and, and, and walked away. And that, that just happened last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is the, you know, kind of the, the, and the layer on top of that, when you use this, you know, the passive income to, to get into e-commerce. So what, you know, what did you learn in the online world of affiliates and as you were working in that world and, you know, what was the journey like into e-commerce and, and, and identifying what you want to do next? Because, you know, and there's a couple of different next stages, I think in your, your whole journey. And I think, you know, what was the process that you went through to mentally figure out what you wanted and how you wanted to get into it? And what was that next venture? Yeah. So there was actually, I think there's two questions there. First was what did I learn in affiliate marketing? And so I think the biggest lessons I took away, which I think are really important, uh, that I took away in affiliate marketing were just the evolution of business. So there's this cycle of in affiliate marketing of when the companies that you're working with need you more than you need them, right? They're, they're young budding companies that are looking for attention. You have the attention. They're willing to pay you anything for it. Mm. Um, and, or they're in a very hyper competitive industry and they'll make horribly bad decisions to get the transaction uh, over the other guy because they want to become the biggest. Mm-hmm. And eventually that whole scenario will flip flop. <laughs> right. It's where they no longer need you. Like you need them way more because like they're your source of income and they're big enough now that they can basically put their thumb on you and do anything, anything to you that they want, including just stop paying you. And I thought that that was a really important lesson to learn at that time. And, you know, I, I wasn't even really, a lot of people in the industry were, were really bitter about it, but my feeling always was that, you know, I'm, I'm an independent contractor that they're paying me to do a job. And when they no longer want to pay me to do it, you know, so be it. And so I, I took a little bit different attitude towards it. The, the only thing that I was a little bit bitter about was there was a couple of, of poker rooms that paid us lifetime revenue share and and they cut that off, which I thought was pretty dirty. Yeah, that's not lifetime. Know, lifetime is no longer lifetime. <laughs> right. But again, it's just a lesson in where you stand on the in, on the totem pole. 
and yep. just being cognizant of that. And, and that, that was definitely an important lesson that I've taken uh, into the next phase of business. So, um, uh, which, yeah, I know I, I apologize for asking two questions at once. I tend to, <laughs> to kind of spitfire sometimes, yeah, no um, but, you, know, you know, as you, which is, which is great. Cause I think some of those lessons as you, you know, as we'll, we'll shed those into what you're doing now and the different ventures that you've done, but like, I, you know, I think as you, you know, said, you kind of quote unquote, semi-retired, you know, how did you process that, you know, especially at a younger age and then, you know, going through that evolution, I think it's just a challenging th- you know, thing that typically a lot of people have an issue with or you know you know and different types of an issue i should say sometimes it's a longer sometimes it's you know jump right in but what, how did you guys how did you personally deal with it so we bought an rv <laughs> and went uh it just went out on the road and went to enjoy life and i thought it was going to be like this glamorous most amazing thing in the world uh, but pretty quickly i got bored and i, I wouldn't say that i was depressed because i wasn't depressed but i was definitely kind of lost in the world in, in some way, because I feel like, uh, I've talked a lot about this. Actually, you mentioned, uh, Sherry earlier, he was on your podcast and, you know, I, I've equated entrepreneurship to be at least in the way that it affects me, like a disease is as much as, uh, alcoholism or heroin addiction or something where it's just like you, you need it like so badly. And it's the way that you identify yourself. And without, without that in my life, I was, it, it was cool for a while, like for three, four five, six months, something in that range. but pretty quickly I was listening, like my head was bouncing all over the place. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. What were you, were you reading a bunch or did you actually take some time off or like, I did take time off like legitimately cause I was burned out and you know, it took about, like I said, somewhere between three and six months of being out on the road in the RV. Uh, at first it was amazing. I'd go out on hikes and walks and just go do touristy crap and not think about anything except what I was going to go do for the day. And it was, you know, go out to the beach with a dog or whatever the hell it was. It was just, it was like this amazing glamorous thing. And then slowly but surely, like during those times of going out for a hike where you have like all this quiet time or whatever other things I was doing, well, there was a lot of quiet time, which, uh, you know, in retrospect, I, I do miss again now. But in my head, was like getting filled with all these other thoughts of the, the pressure of I need to go do something else. I need to go, you know, make more money and go, even though we were in, in a great spot and didn't need to do anything at that point, uh, realistically, uh, I, I couldn't help it. Like I was just, like an addict getting back into something else. It was just, it was like my, the, the, the magnet of the North pole pulling me that way or a moth to a flame or whatever it is. It was, it, it just, it was there and I couldn't, I couldn't help it. And, and that's kind of, you got, yeah. Were you traveling with family or was it just, I was with my wife? Yeah. My wife and our dog. Yeah. Was she, how, how was she dealing with this as you were going through this? I mean, I've, <laughs> I've just gone through her own challenges being married to me and through the journeys. I mean, was, was she supportive? Was she helping? Was she like, where, where was her mindset in, in the spectrum? Yeah. I mean, when we first got on the road, she was like just thrilled as well. Um, you know, I, the last business, as I kind of mentioned, was just kind of hard on, on us as well. I mean, it was, just, it was great to have time together and, you know, she was supportive, I think at first of, the stuff I was getting into because it was a lot of, you know, online passive type stuff. And, you know, we'll talk about just kind of how the journey got into e-commerce. I think where she, where I lost her on the journey was when we got another office and a warehouse and got stuck back in, in this life again. Hmm. Um, and, you know, I didn't really think, I, I didn't even see it coming. Like it happened and I did it and made all these decisions to go do it and didn't even realize the repercussions because we were like caught back in this whirlwind again of entrepreneurship. and. I think a successful entrepreneur doesn't make any excuses or sacrifices uh, for themselves or their family. And 
it's all about the business. And we definitely got back into that, that cycle again for the last few years. And we're working on getting back on the other side of that again, but that definitely happened again, without a doubt. And I definitely think that she was not happy about that when it got to that level again. So let's go, which I appreciate, Jen. I want to, I want to kind of, I mean, to be able to have the, you know, the interesting roller coaster. And there's a book I just got done reading called The Entrepreneur Roller Coaster, which you have, if you haven't read, pretty entertaining. <laughs> I'm gonna go check. It's probably the story of my life, but I definitely want to go read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, you know, I, I was listening to it and I was like, ah, okay. So I'm not crazy, but there are, well, maybe I'm crazy and everybody else is crazy too. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, honestly, Mike, as you're going through that, so then you, you as you, you know, you, you've spent some time reflecting and you're, and you're, you're missing the itch. Well, so explain how, you know, what was the, the draw towards e-commerce and what were the different spaces that you like to play that you, that you enjoyed? And then what was the lead all the way up until, like you said, you, you opened up uh, bigger facilities? Yeah. So what happened when we were in the RV and, and the thing that kind of got me tinkering back with business again, because I was, I had this affiliate marketing background and SEO background. I had identified just the the value of premium domain names, and I was doing a lot of investing in that. I bought graphicdesign.com, wordpressteams.com, onlinedegree.com, and one of the ones I had purchased as well was uh, treadmill.com. And there's like a, a dozens of these names that I had that I had bought, uh, but treadmill.com was one of the ones I had bought. And what I was doing with uh, uh, lots of these these sites, website hosting was one of the ones that I ended up selling. Uh, I was developing them turning them into affiliate sites, but doing it in a non-poker niche because I felt like I wanted to do it in a niche that was quote unquote legitimate, that wouldn't get, that wouldn't get shut down again. And I was actually out on one of these hikes that I was talking about. I've always been into hiking. I was out on a hike and uh, we had been running treadmill.com at this point for, for a few months as an affiliate site. And I was like, you know what? I need to be honest with myself about what I'm doing here. You know, I, I feel like Realistically, I'm kind of like a bottom feeder on society <laughs> as an affiliate in this capacity because these sites I'm building aren't really adding any value to anybody. Like they're just a way for me to capture traffic from unsuspecting people that are doing searches on the internet and don't know any better and click through my links and end up buying some piece of equipment that I'm recommending because I'm getting paid. And when I started realizing that and just being honest with myself to, to that, and I, I'm not begrudging anybody for. For, yeah. for doing that and, and that run that kind of business, I was just at a point in my life where I thought I could do better. And I wasn't at a point where I needed to like make money just to survive to put money on the table or food on the table, but I wanted to do it in a, in a different way. And that's actually how we got into e-commerce because I was just like, you know what, I'm going to convert treadmill.com into an e-commerce property and actually sell equipment to people directly and provide really good customer service and a good shopping experience and good content and be you know, legitimately good content about these pieces of equipment and go about it that way to the point where I think that it adds value to the world that I'm actually providing a better experience for people that come there rather than just redirecting them somewhere else and, and making money because I'm in the right place. And th- like, literally that was the conversation I had with myself on, on a hike. I remember exactly where it was. And within a month, we were on a mission to turn treadmill.com into an e-commerce property. Super cool, man. Like, and, and I, I, it's refreshing to hear you say that because I think there's a lot of people, cause I work with a lot of traditional businesses that are getting into e-commerce, right. And, or, you know, manufacturer that was with a client this morning. That's a manufacturer that's trying to figure out as this work, cause they're, they're selling through independent sales reps. 
that their business model is, you know, you know, a little bit different, a lot different than that. And they're watching the world change and they're trying to figure this out. And I hear a lot of the stories of that, you know, them getting hijacked, you know, customers getting hijacked and then like literally trying to resell the, the leads to these people that were originally going to them. So it's an interesting, yep. you know, and, and what Mike went through your head, like, was there an experience where you kind of said, what's the point? I mean, what, what led you? I mean, I think the hike obviously was a great catalyst in the environment for that, but was there something in the business that like just triggered that or? There, there was, uh, not in that business, but, but previously what had happened because I was doing affiliate stuff for, for so long, just getting hit with things like a penguin or Panda penalty, uh, where you like lose all your rankings because you're, you know, just have thin or, or crappy content, uh, that, that, that had happened by this point that was years in the past, but you know, I was basically thinking about the, the way that the conversation in my head started. And I still, again, it's weird how you, I can't remember what I did yesterday, but some things you remember very well. And, and this <laughs> I remember very well. You know, I was just thinking in terms of what is it that Google really wants, you know, like in terms of what's going to rank uh, on their platform. And, you know, instead of constantly hustling and thinking and playing these games of like what works today and reading all the forms of the, the, the black hat tactics that, that are working right now, what's like a better way to build a business where I'm not having to constantly go through the stress of all this and just build like a legitimate business that, that Google wants to rank. Like at the end of the day, like maybe I don't rank number one to start with, but eventually I do because they'll figure it out and just wait for them to figure it out. And I'll be there when, when they do. And to me, like I realized at that moment that, that affiliate marketing was not the way to do that. Like that was like, like dawned to me that what they don't want ranking there are people like me, <laughs> like I'm, I'm the problem. You know, and, and, and then I started thinking like, well, I really am a problem. You know, it wasn't that I'm a problem for Google, but I'm a kind of a problem, you know, the way that I was going about making money, I, I just didn't feel good about it in that moment, you know, in terms of, I mean, I, it wasn't unethical. Like, I don't think that, again, it, there's probably people listening that, that have affiliate businesses like this and I don't begrudge them in any way. But, you know, I just, I thought it, it was, it was kind of a combination of a long-term business decision and just the way that I felt about myself in that moment in time. And, and that was kind of the combination that, that happened then. Well, it's, it's kind of cool, man. Like, uh, I, I don't, you ever heard of the book conscious capitalism? I haven't, no. It, it really interesting book. Uh, and I'll put a link in for the for the listeners, but the, it's pretty much just like, if you do good for the world and like, once you become aware of things, mm-hmm. you're just constantly always doing good and you will succeed. <laughs> I mean, it's I just way or it's definitely the long-term play, but I mean, uh, that is the way that we've run our businesses since that day. And that was in, uh, let's see, that was in 2012, you know, so it's been seven years and, you know, I, I can wholeheartedly say, I mean, I've built better businesses. I feel better about what I'm doing. Like I enjoy what I'm doing more. I don't stress about, you know, having to, to worry about the next tactic or, or whatever it is that I'm having to plan for. And in fact, I don't even worry about the money part of it. Uh, it just comes like you don't have to worry about it. I mean, I, we've taken this exact approach with with Econ Crew. I mean, we put out something like 170 episodes before we even tried making any money. It was all about just give value first, and and you know that it'll come at some point, and it, and it has. I mean, it's it's a really successful business now, but we make money by legitimately improving people's lives. Like, and that's just a way better position to be in if you can if you have your option of how to make money. I think anybody listening would rather do it that way. And and at some point you got to, you know, if you're young and don't have any money in the bank and you need to put your next meal on the table, you're going to do whatever you have to do to make money. And I respect that because I came from that 
that uh, environment. But at some point it was just like, okay, what can I do to, to just, now that I don't have to think in that way any longer, uh, what can I do to, to, to do better? And, and that was kind of the, the evolution of it. And it wasn't, you know, it, it just, it just kind of happened the way that I, that I just laid out. It wasn't, you know, like I woke up one morning and it was just like, I need to be a better person or anything. It just, like, you know, it just, it was a bunch of life experiences that kind of came together and, and it was just an aha moment. So, I mean, how good does that feel now that you run these businesses that way? How it feels amazing. Happen? I mean, uh, I was actually recording another podcast today talking about this exact thing. I mean, it's been the most gratifying thing in my life. I mean, we've been able to do, and I've also realized that, you know, the effect that I have by doing this, uh, the ripple effect and the multiplier effect is, is substantial because, you know, with, with the Ecom Crew stuff, I and mean, we help other businesses legitimately improve their business or get themselves out of a bad situation. There's been several businesses that were about to go bankrupt or just heading down the wrong path and we've been able to help them. You know, so the, the repercussions and the ripple effect of helping them and you know, them being able to quit their job or fix their business or avoid bankruptcy or whatever the things that come out of it amplifies what I can provide. You know, and it, it feels amazing like because it's a personal connection relationship and you it isn't just a a name or a number on a piece of paper and it feels amazing like and i and it's why we're doing more and more i'm spending more and more of my time doing those things because it's infectious and i having more fun doing that than anything else i've ever done in my life it's, it's interesting like i've i've had you know different guests on that have you know maybe a later stage and they're you know done with business because they sell and then they're like now what and then they're like you know going and sitting on a charity board is not really fulfilling. So they get into business and then they realize that business is the number one way to impact people's lives better than government, better than charity. So it's, it's interesting how people are starting to realize that. I don't know if that's kind of what the conscious capitalism talks about, the double bottom line, mm-hmm. you know, like literally just you treat all your stakeholders amazing. And that's better than giving back the charity and more, right. more fulfilling too. Because like, I mean, I thought through what I would have to do, like how much money I would have to earn from my business to be able to make a difference by donating that money that I made from the business to a charity. And then what that charity does with it, you know, which is questionable with a lot of charities, right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, versus taking that same amount of time. And yes, I don't produce the same numbers in terms of money because I'm spending my time helping others, but what they can, because like you're helping high functioning people, you know, mm-hmm. that, that are highly motivated to, that they're already entrepreneurs, they're already, you know, but they're, they're at a different part of their journey where they didn't, they just didn't know any better and they got themselves in a bad situation. Um, or they're trying to quit their jobs and get to be in a better situation. And so if they're already motivated to do all that, if you can help them, and then again, the multiplier effect of that, I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible versus just donating some money to somebody and, and hoping that they, that they do good with it. And again, not begrudging people who donate money to charity. And, and there's certainly lots of good charities that do lots of good in the world. I'm not trying to, it's all to, leverage. To, it's all leverage. Yep. You know, yep. that's what it comes down to. And that's just, again, I feel like I have a talent that, that I need to take advantage of when it comes to that. And I get the personal satisfaction out of it and seeing what they've done versus again, just writing a check. And I have no idea like how I've helped that child in Africa. Like I'm never going to see him kind of thing. Yep. You know, it's, it's cognitive dissonance versus a, a real impact. So one, you know, cause I, you know, I get, we got some 
you know, half the listeners I think are, are, are coming from, you know, up and down the street, you know, business to business services or manufacturing or whatever it is. And they're, you know, one of my episodes recently was about the merging of online and offline. Um, really cool episode. And, and, but they, so some people might not be familiar with Ecom Crew. So even though you've got, you know, quite the name out there of what you've been doing and even some of your other outside ventures, can you kind of give the listeners a little bit of a, an overview of what are, you know, so you got treadmill.com, what are the e-commerce companies that you're, that you're, continuously in and or have exited? And then what is the kind of the mission behind Ecom Crew and what, you know, how are you actually helping these people? Yeah, that's a long conversation. So let's take off, but I got, I got it. Um, <laughs> so you done, it again, done it before, but we'll yeah. do it however you feel, feel, feel uh, like it'll be successful. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. I, like uh, I, I love talking about this stuff actually. So it's, it's cool that you asked that question. So treadmill.com we exited in 2015. The reason we got out of it is you can kind of just tell, like, I'm a people person by, by doing this. And it, we just weren't able to make our customers happy. You know, just it's a miserable business of shipping big, heavy pieces of equipment that we were <laughs> drop shipping. Customers were not happy when uh, deliveries were late, um, damaged. They didn't know how to put them together, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It was just, it was a tough business that I, you know, in terms of providing happiness to the world. And I wasn't able to do that. So we, we sold that. And we had one employee at the time, and he was awesome. and. I, I did not want to let him go. I mean, when you're in entrepreneurship and you come across a great employee, it, you know how that can change your life and your business. <laughs> so true. Oh, I mean, it was that that good. And uh, so I went and bought another business. I bought another business called iShops.com. And I found it on Biz by Sell. I flew up to Michigan and packed it all in the truck and flew back home and had the truck drive meet me in California when we got when I got back. And I was in the iShops business. And I did it because of this guy that uh, that we had. I mean, in, he ended up eventually leaving because his wife uh, went back to work and he wanted to be the stay-at-home dad. And uh, that was a pretty cool story for him to be able to do that. But um, while I was fixing and re-engineering ice wraps to like take it from this failure, because I, I bought a company that basically was about to go bankrupt uh, and improving it. And I was also had gotten into another community called uh, e-commerce fuel at the time. And what I thought I was doing was just what everyone else was doing. Like it was just so obvious to me. But what I realized is that what I was doing was revolutionary to most e-commerce owners because I was coming at it from a total technical standpoint. Like my background was in online marketing, SEO, blogging, all the tech and you know things that go behind this. And most e-commerce people are coming at it from a perspective of, I have this really cool product that I want to sell and I'm having a hard time selling it. And who I by the way, I've always been jealous of in the e-commerce space is I've never been able to come up with anything that's as unique and amazing as a lot of other e-commerce owners. But you know, I, I realized that I had a talent pretty early on in terms of my technical prowess uh, coming into this space. And that was when I decided to start Ecomicro. Uh, I was becoming a pretty prominent member in e-commerce field community. Uh, I had been asked to speak there and a bunch of other things. And I, I realized that what I was doing was was valuable to, to other people. And, and that's why we started the, the podcast and the blog. And we were blogging about once a week and podcasting once a week. And over time, you know, what ended up happening from, from, the, from the podcast is talking. And, and I, so when I started the podcast, number one, first and foremost, I was like, you know what? There's already a bunch of other podcasts out here. There's already a bunch of people doing this. Like, why should I do this? And, and my thought process was like, well, I'm, I'm just going to be an open book. I'm going to talk about everything that that no one else talks about. I'm going to talk about exact numbers that I'm selling, the exact products I'm selling, how I'm doing it. Just be a complete open book because I, I felt like I was just financially secure enough in what I was doing. 
that I didn't really care if someone else wanted to copy me. And um, I also it was at a point where I, I realized that I was never going to sell all the world's gel packs or gel pens. <laughs> or whatever, right. Right? So it's just like, who cares? <laughs> and uh, so if someone really wants to go copy me, you know, verbatim, then let them go do it. And so that's what I did, you know, and just started podcasting and blogging with no expectation whatsoever of what would come out of it. And, and what came out of it in reality was the ability to, to help a lot of people, which was really freaking cool. And you start going to conferences and people like, run up to you and like give you these huge hugs and high fives because you you've really helped them and that becomes really infectious to to want to keep doing it on a personal level it's opened up the door to all sorts of people that i've met i mean people like you like i mean this conversation would never be happening if it weren't for for ecom crew mm-hmm. and and there's dozens and maybe even hundreds at this point uh, hundreds of uh, people at this point that fall into that category i mean i feel like i know every thought leader in this space on a personal level, because uh, I go speak at their events or I've been on their podcast or I've come to you know uh, run their masterminds or whatever it is, because I've always taken this selfless approach of I'm always out there and everybody kind of knows, knows that. Uh, maybe it allows me to get taken advantage of a little bit, but, but so be it, whatever. And you know, it, it's at a point where I can pick up the phone and talk to anybody in the industry about anything. And that's amazing. I mean, like the ability to, to be around these people and like how they've, also enrich my life and help take me to the next level. Cause these are really smart people, you know, that are running seven, eight figure businesses that I've been able to, to hang out with and, and learn from even by osmosis, I'll, I'll take it. Um, so, and, and it's also helped me overcome the fear of, of public speaking. I mean, I, before I started doing this, like I, uh, you could have paid me a million dollars and I would have said no to go. <laughs> to totally, man. Yeah. I'm almost yeah. terrified of it, but like I've gone and done that now. And now it's something I look forward to. And, so, I mean, there's a lot of things that have come out of it. And, and yes, I mean, we've been, we've been talking about everything, every step of the way from the ice wraps journey to color it, to our other brand, a wild baby and tactical, uh, and just being really honest about what's working and what's not working. I think another thing that makes us unique is I talk about the stupid crap that I do that loses tons of money. <laughs> um, no one ever talks about that. Oh, I know. Um, right. Or how hard all this stuff actually is. Or how hard it is. I, if I, I mean, if I see another quick get get rich quick tactic or some sort of like you know click i just like it's so i'm so over it because everybody yeah. makes it seem so easy and it's just absolutely <laughs> you will never hear me say that on our podcast like in <laughs> fact we do whole episodes about how hard this is and if you aren't prepared for like the long haul like then go do something else this is not the thing for you you know it's still a re- really rewarding amazing industry and niche and i i wouldn't have it any other way but it's not for everyone it's not easy and this is not something that you will hear any other podcaster talk about typically because they, and I get it. They're all my friends too. Like I, I don't look down on them for doing this because this is their business, but I wanted to be different. And that was, you know, the, the approach that I took. Well, I think being real these days, I mean, people are yearning for it so much that they, they gravitate for it. And again, value will, it'll, it'll spiral upwards. And, and I'm, I'm curious, you know, Mike, as you have gone and, you know, you've been growing these and you, the, 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 the tough challenges that you talk about, you know, when you think about, some, you know, there's, there, there's two different types of listeners here. There's, you know, some people that are potentially going to get into e-commerce as like building the, the value of their company. I've got a friend in one of our, he's actually now in Rhodium, but he you know, rubber stamp manufacturer. And then he has just been getting, you know, uh, absolutely blazing a trail in e-commerce. So, you know, again, there's kind of the merging, I think of manufacturing, kind of like what you did, right? You're like mm-hmm. manufacturing or dis- uh, being a distributor, but you're also doing e-commerce. So I think there's this whole blend that's happening, which is why I kind of have a mixed audience, but you know, what are the things that as you have, you know, grown and sold some of these companies and it, like, 
that have provided really good value while you're running the business and also, you know, on the exit, because I think, you know, the, the layer of context behind that question, um, Mike, is that a lot of people do the kind of the, not only in the marketing is to get, you know, the quick hits, but that actually impacts the, the overall value of the company too, right? Which is like, okay, this is going to, we have to invest for the long term. So what are some of the challenges and or things that you've seen that you've done that has impacted the increasing value on the exit? Yeah, I mean, we've taken the same approach with our e-commerce companies as we have with Ecom Crew, which is you know, just to give a bunch of value first and enrich the community as much as we can and know that if and when people are ready, they'll they'll buy, right? So, I mean, we did the same thing in the coloring space where, you know, first things first, we went and make the best product physically, but, you know, we, so we, we went and thought through all the attributes of a coloring book and gel pens and markers that needed to be improved to make the best product. So when people did make the decision to buy that they would want to tell others about it because it was the best that they had ever used. So I think that you got to start there. But once we kind of got over that hump, I mean, it was, let's give away a bunch of free drawings and free plus shipping offers and talk about our community and what they're sending in more than we talk about ourselves and you know, all these different types of things and build, build an email list and a, Facebook Messenger subscriber list and just a, a raging group of fans that makes it easy at that point to, to sell to. So, you know, typically people, and again, I, I get it. If you got if you got to pay the bills today, you're going to come at it from a different approach. But our approach to it was we want to build something that's like long-term and lasting and defensible here and not just sell as many widgets as we can today and then sell as many widgets as we can tomorrow. But the concept was from a pretty early standpoint of we know that that will come because we already have a good product and it's different than everything else out there. And so that's what we did. You know, we, we provided as much value to the community as we possibly could. And the end result was, yes, it took a little bit longer to ramp up sales. But the end result was we sold more than we would have if we just took the thinking about today approach. And every product that we launched seemingly became easier and easier to to generate sales for because each time we had more and more fans, more and more customers. So, I mean, the last 18 months that we ran the business, uh, every product that we launched on Amazon became a new number one bestseller without having to do any of the black hat tactics that people talk about, you know, super URLs and coupons and I mean, people search for your list and go to your, your right and go to like the ninth page and find it and click on it and buy it and all this other crap that, that that's out there being talked about. I, mean, I, I know how to do it all, but those people are all going to have a really bad day one day. They're going to wake up and realize that their business is gone. Yep. The boom hammer will come. You know? And so instead of constantly chasing that, it was constantly chasing how do we build a bigger and better brand? And how do we take care of our customers to a point where they'll go lay down on traffic for us? And that's what we did. That's what we focused on. So ultimately, when we went to sell the business, you know, even though it was a seven-figure deal and we wanted all cash... Uh, we were under LOI in less than a month with multiple offers because of all these attributes. Because buyers aren't stupid either. I mean, they can identify what makes a business like this unique. And because of that, it was very easy to sell. So let's uh, layer on one of your earlier comments about when you you know opened up a new facility and you realized that you're all of a sudden in this whirlwind again. That obviously, you know, what was the triggering event behind that? Because, you know, I... I can tell that you really love being able to have that kind of impact and doing the right thing. So what led up to, you know, like what were kind of some of the compounding variables and then that led up to that triggering event. And then what was the process after that going and, and 
and going to sell. Yeah. So when you say the 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 triggering thing, you mean like what made me get the office, or maybe what made me want to well, get out of the, the office? No, no, more get out because I think you know you know growing and growing is just an entrepreneur's way. But like you know mm-hmm. I, you know especially when you're loving it and you're impacting people's lives and you're doing it for the right reasons, you kind of got. I can see that you've you know got you're proud of it, right? Versus mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden being burnt out in the poker industry. But what you know what was it at home? Is it in your life? Is it you know what what happened to the point where you said, okay, this is too much again? Yeah. You know, it, I, I'm not a nine to five guy, you know, I, I'm a hard worker, but I, I, I also kind of like have ADD and it's hard for me to like come in at, from nine to five and just focus at the same level all day. And I don't do well in the same environment, like continuously. I like kind of bouncing around environments and I really realized how much that that meant to me through a number of the years in the poker industry. When we, we, we were living, we lived in Costa Rica for three years. We lived in the Cayman Islands for a year. Uh, then I came back and RV'd for a couple of years and we we're just constantly, and, and we did a lot of traveling. We're constantly, we're moving around and just in different environments. And the times that, it, that I was the most miserable uh, in both the poker time and uh, the time that uh, during e-commerce was the years that it became a nine to five thing because you're coming into an office, you have employees that are there and you have to kind of lead by example. And you're kind of forced into this nine to five mode when you're asking them to be there, even though you go home and work late hours and you go home and work on the weekends and there is no real vacation. You're constantly having to check everything. Employees don't really understand that. And so that became difficult when we did open up the office here and having to deal with that. And it became even worse when we started dealing with China. And uh, then we also opened an office in the Philippines. Uh, and, and the reason that made it worse is because now we were basically living on this 24 seven clock Working in an office that was nine to five, and the employees, like I think, had a hard time understanding that uh, that we were doing all this other work outside of this building, even though we were asking them to, to kind of work in that environment. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've been told that some of this is in my own head. You know, it's that I'm the boss; I should be able to do whatever the hell I want. But at the same time, other people agree and understand that you know, there's because we've all been. I mean, I, I've been an employee. I can't say we've all been employees, but I've definitely been an employee. And I know what other people were saying about the CEO at the company that I worked at when he would like go golfing or play tennis or whatever. And I never thought that way. My feeling always was like, you're paying me to do this job. I can give two shits. With, or sorry, I just probably shouldn't curse on the no, podcast. No, you're good, man. Uh, two craps what you go do in your, in your life. It's not my responsibility. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm going to do the best job I possibly can because you're paying me. But not everyone thinks that way. There was a lot of rumbling of people like, oh, man, like, you know, John was out playing tennis for four hours a day. It must be nice, you know, like not thinking about all the work that he might've put in to get to the point that he was at and mm-hmm. certainly all the money he was paying to have these employees that were supposed to be doing the job that they were supposed to be doing. And, you know, who knows like how much stuff that he did at home or in the weekends and the sacrifices he had to make to get to that point. And, you know, so I, I heard a lot of that when I was in those other environments and it was always a struggle, uh, you know, for me. Uh, so you know, maybe some of it again is in my own head. Maybe I need to be hire better employees or, or different types of people or whatever, but it, it became, uh, like a noose around me, you know, having to, to, to constantly be in that office environment when the reality is, is that I'm less productive and less happy and less uh, everything that's negative in that environment versus being in an environment where I'm just kind of not tied to that and I can do what I want. And that's what we all get an entrepreneurship to begin with, for, right? Is that independence? <laughs> totally. And then you, and you realize one day you wake up and you don't have that any longer and you bought yourself a job. And, um, <laughs> oh you know, man, so many people have been there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure lots of people can relate. And that was certainly you know, where we got to. And, and uh, 
that was why we'd start making changes. You know, you can't change overnight, but you know, again, I was, because I'm older and had been through it before, I was able to identify some of that and cut it off before it became, you know, a bigger problem. So then, you know, Mike, one of the things that I see, and I'm curious, and I, I know we don't have enough time to get into the, the t- a ton of the tactics of it, but of the actual exit, but I, you know, one of the things that I see so many times and it's so unfortunate, I mean, I think people get that in like, <laughs> it's this mental light switch, man, for entrepreneurs where it's like, boom, all right, I'm upset and I'm ha- unhappy and I have to mm-hmm. change, I have to change all this immediately. And, and it's like, I, I just see it happen like that fast. But then therefore all, you know, you did a lot of value building and value creation because, you know, you had a little bit different perspective on this whole growth on this, this last you know, venture, but that happens. And then all of a sudden they've got to sell and they realize that it's, you know, they didn't do a bunch of stuff correctly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's like a fire sale to get out of that noose that you were talking about. Yeah. So outside of that, you know, what is it? What was the process? I mean, you can, you can, you know, kind of do a, a couple skimming of the different milestones, but how long did it take for you to like say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm planning on listing it. Did you hire a broker, surround yourself with a team of advisors? And how did that all work? Yeah. Speaking first to that news thing, I mean, that's definitely the situation that I found myself in. And it happens very quickly. And it's not the first time that it's happened. And it's sometimes it's hard to see it coming. You know, it's just like, I think you kind of wake up one morning and just like, Man, I got you know, gotta F this. I'm out. F this. And, and <laughs> almost like in a panic uh, situation yeah. to to do yeah. something about it. Um, it wasn't quite to that extreme because I had been, I guess I had been here before. So like I was like, you know what, I gotta do something about this within the next year. And mm-hmm. and then mentally putting a, a, a clock on it like that for me, like really helped get through the situation because now yeah. it was no longer like I gotta do something about it this month. It's just like I know. I know what the end game is going to be, and I know exactly what it feels like because I've been here before. Mm-hmm. Um, that that helped a lot. So knowing that I want to I want to make all these changes over the next year, and and I and I know that I can get there uh, helped a lot. So this was last summer, and that's when I did hire or contacted Joe. I didn't formally hire him yet, but I contacted him. And we had a discussion about potentially selling the whole business, selling a part of the business, you know, and, and just coming up with a plan that made the most sense. And we ultimately settled on selling one of the brands, which was Color It, and taking the next six months to just get all of our stuff in order to get the best value for our business, which was going to mean not developing new products and just being cognizant and more cautious of how we were spending our money, uh, not doing anything unethical that would ultimately you know, value the business at something that it really yep. wasn't worth because there's a lot of squirrely things you can do. I, I, not I'm trying new ran, random new things. <laughs> exactly. You just, you know, put the brakes on dumb stuff and you know, <laughs> went through and spent a few minutes looking at our credit card bill and canceling the SaaS app that I hadn't used in 24 months, you know, just basic stuff like this. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, the net result was that the company grew 45% year over year uh, in both top line and bottom line. And uh, actually, the bottom line grew quicker. I forgot the exact percentage, but, but the bottom line you know, grew quicker than the top line because we, we did uh, some better things to it. And it just made it really uh, you know, presentable to, to people uh, that were looking at, looking at making a purchase. And there's still lots of money out there looking to buy uh, businesses like this, especially like this. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was basically a six-month timeline from when we decided to sell to when we put it up. And then from when we put it up for sale... Uh, it was just a matter of weeks before we had multiple offers and we're under LOI. And uh, from the day that we were under LOI to, to we closed was two months to the day. 
And uh, we're recording this uh, about two months the day from when we close on that transaction. And we're in the process of uh, you know shutting down the warehouse and the office here so we don't have to be in that nine to five thing uh, you know past past this summer, basically. And it's worked out the way that we wanted, you know, and it's it's it, it was it's it feels good. and and also learning from previous examples, it, it isn't a matter of getting rid of everything and just trying to retire, making sure there's still stuff in my life that keeps me intellectually stimulated that I enjoy, but also can do it in a way that, um, that I don't get burned out. And that it also, you know, it's, so it's just, everything's a more positive experience and, you know, so far so good. So one of the things that you're doing that, that, you know, as you're decompressing and looking at this for, what would it be the third, second, third time now, um, you know, or the, of the roller up and down of the roller coaster, you you know, what are you doing, Mike, that is like going to, you know, maybe you're just still, you know, decompressing or, you know, or digesting, but like to balance the ADD, cause I, I can relate, right. We're like, I love stimuli from all over places, from people to speaking to, you know, making money, all these different things, right. How, how are you going to balance that and your identity and your family, personal life? I mean, is there things that you're digesting or things that you're doing or are you still in the the search? I feel like I have this figured out. Um, but uh, let's do a follow-up in, in six or 12 months and we'll see like how these predictions come to fruition. <laughs> uh, so here's, here's what I have in my head that I think that solves all of these things. So I've also read the book, The One Thing. You're talking about books. I think that, you know, and, and really going to work on focusing on, on one thing, which is going to be an e-commerce business, a e-commerce business instead of 12, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, that, that I have a personal interest and passion in. I think I have this figured out, and I think that uh, it'll be fun to maybe do a recap of this in, in six or twelve months uh, after, because not everything always plays out the way that you you expect it to. <laughs> but the, the way that I'm handling this is number one. I was uh, we're talking about books here. Uh, I read the book, The One Thing, and it's really helped me realize just I've got way too much crap going on in my life. And I always use the saying, "If you chase two rabbits, both will get away." I'm always saying this, always giving this advice, but then not following it myself. <laughs> oh man, I so. Agree. Going to really focus on on making sure that 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 is not a thing moving forward. So the one thing for me will be running an e-commerce business, a e-commerce business, not multiple e-commerce businesses, um, and then blogging and podcasting about that with e-com crew. Um, so you know the goal over the next year or two is to start shutting off these other e-commerce businesses. We like you know I have too many um, and, and get down to one. And the one that I'm going to do will be uh, starting from scratch and documenting that in an even better way than we ever have with e-com crew. Uh, being even more out there than we ever have been, but it being a business that I have a personal, passionate interest about, not just about the money part. Um, so that's that's the one thing part. The other part is, you know, I have this passion for traveling and and, and being in different places, and so marrying, you know, making sure that I'm disconnected and getting out there but not getting bored. Uh, we did this thing that we started uh, earlier this year that's been incredible called the Ecom Crew Roadshow, and. You know, I started this for for pretty selfish reasons because the thing that I love is traveling. So this allows me to to take an RV and, and drive around the country and uh, and see different parts of the country. But it also allows me to be like intellectually stimulated and work with other entrepreneurs uh, at their at their facility and and help them. And the thing that's really cool about this is it helps with this craving of like doing something new and these new ideas and the other things are always bouncing in my head because I can just do it with someone else. And it kind of satisfies that that appetite that I have for that, and allows me to stay on focus. But it also helps other people, and and does that other stuff I was talking about. So, 
you know, I've tried to figure out this, this way to marry all these different things that make me unique and, and, and weird, uh, into my life moving forward. And, you know, hopefully it will play out the way that I want it to. Um, you know, it's hard to predict the future with any degree of certainty, but, uh, as you get older, you learn things about life and yourself and all these different things. And I think that this is a way to, to make all those things come together. And I'm excited for, for what's to come. I, I, I think you've, are, you've definitely set yourself up for success with the highest probability of being happy, which is super cool, man. I mean, it, it's a lot of work and it takes a lot of bumps and bruises to get there. Yeah. I mean, cause like the last time, you know, I just, I sold and tried to retire, but then I, you know, I was bored. So like, how do you, how do you prevent that? And, but like also now I'm burned out and like, you know, because I've been working too hard. So there's gotta be some happy medium. And, and this is the way to, to have the happy medium to, to, to take the time off, to take time for myself, to do the things that, that are important to me. Uh, and, you know, I, I feel like I need to do those things because I'm at a point where, you know, I, I've, I've gotten, this is what success is about. You got to go do the stuff that makes you happy that that's important. But at the same time, like preventing it, the balance from getting out of whack, you got to have that other, that other component. So this is a way to, to, to have the best of both worlds and, and have some purpose, um, right? I mean, like there's some purpose. It's cool. And I, I know you, I know you got a bolt, but um, the, the, I'll leave it with that. The, there's two things that I said, because I've interviewed people, Mike, where like, they've netted hundred million bucks and they're just miserable. <laughs> and, yeah. like, and so this comment, you know, regardless of the zeros, this, I think this, com- this, this is a common um, situation that comes up. And I say, you know, I've kind of boiled it down from all the hundreds of interviews. It's like, you can wake up outside of the financial success. Cause like you have said, I think the financial success comes from giving value back. But if you can wake up and answer two questions, one is like, what are the most interesting problems that are passionate to you? If you can solve those problems, what are the most interesting problems? And then the second question is, who do you want to do that with? Because if, you, if you're solving really cool problems and the people suck, that sucks. You're mm-hmm. around really cool people, but it's not a cool problem. That also sucks. <laughs> and so like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if it's too simple, but it, it seems to, to have a good theme that's woven between a lot of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's so true. And another thing that I always talk about is, you know, once you get to a, a certain level, you know, there's lots of studies out there about this. That number is somewhere between 80,000 a year and 150,000 a year, depending on where you live. Um, you know, most of the, the problems that you have past that point, you've made for yourself. Your, you know, <laughs> totally. Right? I mean, think about it. It's like all the things that like I complain about in my life or the things I'm upset about. Like I've made these problems for myself. Like these are, these are manufactured problems that I can easily not have in my life if I didn't put myself in that position. Yep. Um, you know, I don't worry about where my food's coming from, where my room and board's coming from, you know, the basic needs that I, that you have in life. And so everything past that, you just, you make this stuff up. And, <laughs> Why and, Warren Buffett said he'll never buy a boat ever. <laughs> right. Well, I've already been through that too. <laughs> you know, so it's just like, it's, it's easy to shed that stuff and get rid of it if you take a different approach. And, you know, these are things that I'm learning the hard way, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, and you mentioned the guy with a hundred million dollars that was miserable. I mean, I, I totally can understand that. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it can be a lonely world there. Like you quickly, you know, lose touch in reality with your other friends, right? Like you got a hundred million dollars and you're living a totally different life. And the friends that you have that are making 50 K a year of being a school teacher or bartender or whatever, it's like hard to relate to them anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know, that I don't like that. You know, I want to make sure that I stay grounded to the people that, that I grew up with that were you know, always there for me. And, um, we specifically need a purpose, man. Like it's, yeah. it's like literally what keeps us going. I mean, exactly. 
I know you got to run, man. So I, I want to be respectful of your time and you've I've already gone over. So I appreciate it so much, Mike. This has been an absolute blast. You've been super authentic and an open book, like you said you would. Um, best way for the listeners to get in touch with you would be what? Yeah, I mean, check out the podcast, Ecom Crew, E-C-O-M-C-R-E-W, or ecomcrew.com. Or if you want to reach out, support at ecomcrew.com. Those are all Ecom Crew things. And uh, that's really the best way to get a hold of me these days. And if you got any questions, I'm happy to, uh, to answer uh, best that I can. Mike, it's been a blast, man. I appreciate it so much. Of course. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Mike. There's a lot of insights. And I think if there's one big takeaway I would have for you or anybody or even myself is that if there's a way to engineer or integrate all of your passions and your purposes and the value you want to bring to the world and financially get rewarded for it with a balance, that's literally what it's all about. And I know that is really difficult because sometimes you grow a company and you don't want to do that. You don't even want to talk about it anymore, which is what Mike went through with the poker. Figure that out before you get burnt out or that news comes around your neck because then you can pivot and then you can start doing the things that you enjoy. So do some reflecting and thinking about why do you have your business and what's the point? And then financially, what do you need to hit in order to actually be successful? What are all your options to get out? So that way you can plan ahead before that news comes around your neck and then enjoy it. Enjoy it until you don't want to anymore and then you can pull the ripcord. So If you enjoy this episode, please go on iTunes, give me a rating, and let me know if you have any ideas for guests that would be on uh, the show, because I am always looking for great people, and I very much appreciate it. So that being said, I will see you next week.